This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Karcha Baitat, founder and CEO of a mobile-first digital healthcare information sharing app called ClinyVid. Karcha has spent six years researching the breakdown in communications during care coordination and how to reduce those incidents that arise and client complaints, which led to this startup. We talk about that journey and the ongoing progress towards ClinyVid's vision of providing safe information sharing anytime and anywhere across the whole healthcare sector by not just connecting multidisciplinary teams with their client, but also their clinical and practice management systems with digital health. Let's jump in. Well, hey, Karcha, how are you today? Very well. Thank you for having me, Yanni. Terrific. Thanks for making the time and coming on to the uh, podcast. I thought it'd be really good to uh, bring you on and have a bit of a chat about your journey through digital health. You've been evolving this project called ClinyVid, which had some origins within the university area. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, the origins of ClinyVid and and, um, what the heck possessed you to do a startup in digital health? Clinivit um, is is secure information sharing for clinicians, and it all started actually over ten years ago when I was still working for government. I used to work here in New South Wales for the Healthcare Complaints Commission, and we looked at a lot of complaints that came in about hospitals and care, where the outcome for patients was not only suboptimal but sometimes really serious with serious consequences. And one of the very strong links that we found when we trawled through the data of what happened was the the link between the care team not being able to share information when they needed it, specifically when it comes to complex care of cancer or chronic disease patients. And that had um, in almost all of the cases that we saw an impact on delay or breakdown of care communication and later medical incidents and patient complaints. So What I did when I was working for the commission, I started to research and going really deeply into understanding where the link is coming from. And very easily it was, it was, it became apparent that a major contributing factor are the data silos that we still have in health. And although from a patient's point of view, we would love to provide patient-centered care, it's very, very difficult to have the associated information flows. And that's how it started. So I did actually um, six years of research into this one um, and later associated myself with the Michael Crouch Innovation Center at the University of uh, New South Wales in Sydney. And we we have been um, very lucky to also got an innovation grant from the government to help us build a prototype of how can we do it completely differently if we start with a white board approach. And that's how ClinVid started. ClinVid really started as a privacy compliant, data security compliant, mobile first information sharing platform for clinicians, but which respects the existing clinical workflows. So that means we know the source of truth should be the patient records. So what we do, rather than building another data silo, we reimagine it that we can bring information that's relevant from the different data silos in practices, in allied health, in hospitals, make it relevant for the care team to work together, 
for a patient and then bring everything back into the patient records, which usually still are locally held, so that when the patient seeks care in future, there is a full record, there's a full picture for the care team for this patient. So that's how it started. So it's I'm still obsessed by the idea and making it work and really connecting the different pieces of a patient's uh, journey through our system. Yeah, it's a really important uh, challenge to overcome uh, because uh, that data silo problem it's um, everybody says it. We all understand it as um, health tech entrepreneurs, and yet um, we seem to have a lot of trouble with trying to bring the whole healthcare system together around a, a patient or a client. So I could see um, the absolute merit, and I was really intrigued when you said, um, "What would it look like if there was just a blank whiteboard?" What led to that moment? What caused that particular idea to be the right way to approach doing the startup? Well, there were two things. One was, um, and that was guided by, we were working for, you know, public safety and security. So we always had what is good, what is good patient care. So that's, that's the starting point. What is good patient care? And we all have known that good patient care means that we are focusing on the needs of a patient and the requirements. So we ignore for just one moment how our system, our health system has fragmented because it has subspecialized and has different funding model. So we ignore that when we start and just look what does a patient need? And then the second layer to that is who does a patient interact with along their journey? And for all of those providers, from the general practitioner to the specialist to the staff in hospital to allied health providers, very important part of the care team, what do they need to provide um, a good care to a patient? And usually what they mean is a complete picture. And that's where we started. How do we get them the complete picture in the most instant way? But at the same time, respecting that it is about the patient and the patient should have full accessibility to their information as well. Absolutely. And that sort of goes right down to the heart of that idea of informed consent as well. When the patient is informed and is actually participating in their own outcomes, they're likely to be more engaged, more attentive to the instructions and I guess the advice that's coming to them from the healthcare providers. Have you found some uh, uh, improvements in the way the, uh, the outcomes are being delivered by having the Clinivid framework in place and that communication happening between those teams? Yeah, absolutely. Look, Clinivit at the moment is connecting the clinicians that work with the patient. And that's also something I recognised from my work in the commission. The quality of information exchanges that is purely between care providers is very different than the way uh, clinical information should be communicated appropriately to a patient. So from our point of view, the Clinivit system primarily connects the clinical care and then makes it available so they can have the right conversations with the patient having the complete picture. We actually have uh, designed and scoped different patient, direct patient engagement modules and there were certain interesting aspects to that. The first is that some clinicians don't want to have the direct interaction with patients. As surprising as that may sound, it, it has also a lot to do with what's the incentive, but what's the obligations for them as well. So things to consider is they are very time poor and um, they, they are commercial entities. So some of them do say, when, when a patient sends me information or wants to talk to me, can I actually bill for my time? Or does that come off my own time? But the more important part of it is also when a patient sends information or asks a question or receives information from a care team, and that's not part of the normal workflow, 
what is if something goes wrong? What is if there is advice given the patient doesn't follow it? And there is, you know, the, the patient might miss a really vital test and, and has then ongoing chronic problems because of it. So the legal liability for that lands actually with the clinician. And a lot of clinicians don't want that liability, very understandably. And that's why they stick to their very narrow workflows, which um, may not necessarily mean it's the best for the patient, but it's the one they understand and can control. So I think there is also a lot of scope to reimagine how we deliver healthcare and involve the patient without, when something goes wrong, putting all the liability back to the clinicians. Yeah, it seems to me that um, part of that transformation is that we as um, uh, individuals become more responsible for our healthcare or maintaining a level of healthcare. And so we're engaging people to actually help us and support us through particular goals that we might have or particular issues that we happen to be dealing with. And you know, and you would expect some responsibility to go on to those service providers because they are experts and professionals within their field. But if the patient at the end of the day isn't heeding the advice or following the directions or working with uh, the guidance, then they should also share some of that responsibility as well. Do you think that communication and having a framework for being able to more clearly set out and have that transparency between what the patient is responsible for versus what the healthcare provider is responsible for could actually alleviate some of that concern around, you know, that avoidance, let's say, of having too much information that might otherwise make a health provider feel a little bit uncomfortable with how much information is in the system. It's a little bit complex, that one, because I'm, I'm absolutely... Um, supportive of encouraging patients to be a an equal member of their own care and taking responsibility. But at the same time, I have also seen that not all patients are able to do so. And secondly, not all patients are willing to do so. So there are still different relationships that patients have with their care providers. So from one extreme, you may have, and I'm, I'm probably um, stereotyping here, but you have, might have a digital native millennium who has an absolute expectation that they um, have an equal conversation with, with their doctor, with their nurses, with their allied health providers. And I think with that expectation comes also the reverse responsibility that obviously the advice that they um, being given, that they also adhere to it and they take some responsibility of complying with it. But on the other end of the spectrum, you do have patients who, you know, may be from an older generation and may have a very different, they grew up with a different expectation of how their interaction with a doctor or a nurse is, which is much more of a maybe paternalistic view that the doctor will take care and will know. I'm just trusting what they tell me. So you do have those different spectrums. And then obviously you also have patients who Despite all the best knowledge and advice they give, compliance is a very, very different issue. And often the, the ability to comply is reliant on much, much broader set of factors than just getting the information or getting the medication and taking it. Especially when you come into chronic disease management, um, chronic disease care is very complex and multifaceted. And often it's more than just following your clinic advice. You might also have to follow, you know, review the way you interact in other aspects of your life to to overall improve your well-being. 
To answer your question, um, do I support having um, patients as equal partners where they wish to do so? Absolutely. But also being respectful of where a patient may want to be involved, may want to know transparently what is going on, but may not wish to take the active role in the relationship. So that gives us, a, uh, I guess, a bit of a context of some of the uh, problem space that you've been dealing with in coordinating, I guess, communication and um, cooperation around uh, healthcare outcomes across a uh, team of providers and, uh, and the respective patient. Is, is that the right way to sort of set the scene for Clinibid? You know, we have a one patient who is surrounded by multiple health providers who perform different roles in and around the delivery of that healthcare service and sharing that virtual realm where they are communicating with each other and that communication takes a variety of different forms. Do you want to sort of break that open for us a little bit more and, and detail that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What Clinivit is really is to look at what is healthcare all about, providing care or treatment to a patient. So it should start with the focus on a patient. And then the second layer, as I started our conversation with, is who is helping that patient to get the right care and to get the right treatment. So that's what we call the members of the care team. And our philosophy with Clinivit is if you are a member of a patient's care team, you should first have equal access to relevant information for this care episode. And secondly, you should have the equal opportunity to contribute. So those were the guiding principles. And we we do it in a way which is uh, a modern way. So having mobile first approach. So there's the ability to work in a secure and privacy compliant manner, but working in also in a mobile environment. Because if you can imagine, even allied health providers are very mobile these days. So they they may do home visits, they may do a lot of telehealth because their clients may not be able to travel long distances to, to uh, receive the best care. So I think it is all about remembering that what we are here for is to provide the best care we can for patients and remembering that if a patient has various needs, then the care providers who can help satisfying those needs are equal part of a care team. So that's where we started with Clinivit. And at the same time, um, it, it is also respecting that there are certain workflows which we need to enhance rather than trying to replace because they are proven workflows that work for both the patient and as well as the care providers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, and it's a much smarter way to go forward rather than uh, trying to get people to change their culture, their entire culture overnight. It's something where you can cultivate a attitude of um, iteration and allowing for those small changes to come about where the actual team members who are cooperating with each other can actually uh, start to play more of an active role in how that team does the actual cooperation. So, you know, the or the set of tools like Clinibid, for example, can facilitate that and create that um, point of connection between those different people. But then there's going to be some sort of um, feedback that occurs through that exchange of information. Have you experienced some of that with um, customers of Clinibid and, and how they're actually either expanding their mindset on what they thought the possibilities were or feeding into your roadmap on things that they think would be additional to, to what Clinibid already represents? We've worked very, very closely with our clients. So we, we started a clean of a journey with replacing all the workarounds like email, fax, pager, um, WhatsApp. That is it's very commonly used. Um, 
although patients don't know necessarily, um, which is a very insecure un way to share clinical information. But also it means most of that information never gets annotated in the patient's medical record, which means it's not accessible when the patient has a future episode. So that was where we started. And the biggest benefit for the clinicians who started to use it was that they had automated records. So they knew rather than having to annotate manually records with what was the information that was relevant, what were the images shared, how do I get them into the patient's record, they just can press one button archive and it puts the full record, including images, reports, videos, diacom, into the patient record. So it made it really, really, really easy for them from a record keeping point of view. But what we also is uh, clinical exchanges come in all different forms. So having this ad hoc group conversations or one-to-one -one conversation between members of a care team, that's one side of it. And it's really important to have it in a, in a fashion that people can contribute when they are, when they do have time to contribute. So not necessarily in a synchronous way. At the same time, we also um, started to have one of our user group, which was a group of 120 specialists, they used our secure messaging integrated with, with their um, EMR system. And then they said like, oh, can we make those changes and those changes and those changes? And I asked them, why do you want to make those changes? And they said, well, we, we really struggle with our multidisciplinary team meetings. Um, so for those who don't know, that's a very common scenario in cancer care where uh, a group of clinicians from uh, medical oncology, radiation oncology, surgery, radiology, pathology, usually come together to review a newly diagnosed cancer patient to help guide the best care for this patient. And it's very hard to get a group of people like they were, um, they had an invitation list of 60 specialist clinicians every week at seven o'clock in the morning. And it was very hard to get the people in the room. It was very hard to organize an agenda. It was even harder to get the relevant information together. So it is accessible at the time. So that's where we really sat down with them and mapped out the full process. And what it meant was they were spending 27 days from the first email that went out to the last letter with the outcome being typed, which mean, meant also a patient had to wait 27 days until their care could continue. But also they spend uh, a lot of time and a lot of money in organizing those meetings. So we we condensed it for them into, into another module, which they could use from what they already were using with Clinivit. But it was became the MDT or meetings module that was managing all aspects. And now we cut it down. They cut it down to 10 days, which usually is because there's a lead up time. And they have the results instantly after the meeting in electronic form. And they also go, they're not only being shared with the patient's care team, but also go directly into the record. So they enormously cut down the time a patient has to wait to be able to, to uh, follow up on their care, which is fantastic. The interesting thing that happened as well is by working so closely with the clinicians through that whole process is, although they were a group of cancer um, specialists, we then introduced the module more widely and got feedback from very different uh, regions um, from chronic disease management, from aged care, managing aged care residents, discharge management in hospital, supporting telehealth programs, which might have the video link, but they don't have the workflow of how do we organize all the, the information coming together for that tele, um, teleconferencing conversation. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting to see that although we had a very narrow use case in mind, which we built it for, that it has such a broad applicability.
Yeah, and uh, I can see it extending. I mean, obviously, the um, the derivation of your um, initial uh, use cases came out of the hospital uh, sector. When I met you, uh, it just struck me how transposable the workflows were within the allied health sector, particularly uh, in areas where there were either teams within a provider who are moving around, you know, going to homes and uh, different locations, different settings. And uh, within that um, organisation, there are multidisciplinary teams, for example, that would need to cooperate and um, stay in touch with um, any information that's being generated around a particular client that they happen to be looking after. But then it also occurred to me that um, there's an intuitive kind of relationship between, you know, you'd mentioned sort of WhatsApp and, you know, there are other sort of products out there that um, um, all sort of conform to a convention around how we sort of chat with each other and communicate. And, you know, that idea of asymmetry, I think um, it's important. I'll just clarify it a little bit more. It just means that, you know, I can send a message to you and you can read it and respond to me at a time that suits you rather than having to do something in real time like a telephone call for example, where the telephone call is sort of efficient if two people are actually working in the telephone call right at that point in time. Whereas if um, if those two people are actually operating at different areas of focus, one person now wants to say something and the other person is not ready to, to hear it, then they can come back to it at their time and then exchange. And so you get, you get kind of this um, efficiency that comes about in between everybody's respective priorities around how they're able to exchange the information with each other. No, absolutely. And to give one one real-life example is um, where allied health providers have such an important role to play is, for example, aged care. So we, um, to give you one example how Clinivit is being used, we have the GPs who often are um, still the main primary response, have the primary responsibility for an aged care resident. However, the aged care residents are being looked after by usually nurses um, who are with them every day. So Clinivit is being used, for example, the nurse who picks up um, a deterioration in a wound or in, in, in other aspects of a, of a resident's care, they can communicate instantly with the GP who at that stage is in the clinic or off-site. Now, in normal life at the moment, the GP might have to actually come to the aged care residence to review the patient. But with Clinivit, what they do is they're sharing images, they're sharing the information instantly. The GP can give instant advice and where required, for example, bring in a wound care specialist to review the wound, all of it virtually, and get advice should that be, you know, treated with uh, specific um, medication or wound care or bandages, or can it be managed in a different way? So what it means, it's not only uh, great for the allied health providers or for the uh, for the GPs and for the nurses, but ultimately it's good for the patient. The patient doesn't have to wait. The patient is not unnecessarily moved to an emergency department for review, and it's just a better way to provide care. From my point of view, I couldn't agree more. I think it's uh, imperative that we marry up the real world with the digital world that we're all connected to going forward because um, there's so much productivity gain to um, achieve uh, in that. One thing I was going to say a little bit earlier is that um, it's one thing to have a multidisciplinary team inside your organisation, but we can also now cultivate multidisciplinary teams that are groups of people who are not actually employed by the same organisation and that's an amazing possibility because we uh, take the NDIS, for example, we have a lot of um, employment challenges that are happening in that space where, uh, for example, there's a lot of demand for um, healthcare support services under the scheme. 
And uh, recruiting is a big challenge. Being able to actually um, source and find people to work within your organisation is a current challenge. However, there are smaller health providers who potentially might um, be selected by a participant under the NDIS and want to actually assemble their own team. So you actually have the the client at the centre of um, that healthcare team putting together their own team. They're the ones who are actually making the choice as to who is going to um, support them and provide services around them. So that opens up then a challenge in the absence of having uh, the tools, the digital health tools to be able to do it, is how do we share information seamlessly and, and safely in a, in a clinical context between people who work for different organisations? What have you seen out there with teams that are sort of formed in and around the hospitals, for example, or perhaps even in the aged care um, setting that you're referring to, where there are just different people from different organisations who are actually now communicating and exchanging with Clinivid? Well, we have seen lots of benefits um, because what they are now able to do is to communicate relevant information where each of them might have a little puzzle that helps that particular patient's care um, and they can bring it together in, in an online digital way. So that's that's the, the biggest, biggest um, advantage. The other advantage that we're cleaning with also is that where someone is an employee of a bigger organization, the organization has full visibility and control of what information they are able to contribute to care teams that include external providers as well. So we're not taking away that control authority and safeguarding um, of it. Quite opposite, we're actually working with it. So what that means is how our system is we are thinking of a care provider, like an allied health care provider, for example, as being able to be a permanent or temporary member of different care organizations. And for each of those different care organizations, it might still be the care organization who has the primary relationship with the patient and they are safeguarding the permissions they allow this allied health provider to, to, to share with other members of the care team. And they're also safeguarding that um, proper patient consent is obtained and, and respected at all times. But it requires a bit of a shift in thinking as well, recognizing that although someone might have the or considers to have the primary relationship with a patient, that they also acknowledge that does not mean that they are able to provide 100% of the care this patient needs. And I think this is also very important to have a bit, little bit of a cultural shift of not only thinking of, okay, this is my responsibility for this patient, this is this part of treatment I can provide for this patient, and then for everything else, I'll just refer or make someone else responsible. But actually saying, okay, this is what I can contribute, but I acknowledge that from the patient's point of view, it makes sense to combine all the bits and pieces and I should know about. I should know about when, for example, an aged care resident is not only suffering from early onset of Alzheimer's, but may also experience depression because of it and may benefit from a psychologist supporting them in, in, that, in that journey. So it's not only about the purely medical side of it, but it's also about the wellness, well-being and, and mental health side of it, which have to go hand in hand. Absolutely. And, and I guess just to unpack that a little bit, the idea then of having uh, multiple people, multiple disciplines, multiple stakeholders in the healthcare that's being provided connect around uh, Clinibid, you're also going to be dealing with 
clinical information systems and hospital information systems and patient and practice management systems and a whole bunch of other systems that the individual health providers in their own right are utilising to you know, uh, manage their own client records and their own administrative uh, services around the care that they provide. And so one of the things that um, you brought up there a little bit earlier was the idea of having this sort of seamless integration between those teams. And and to some extent, um, you know, Clinivit is doing that within the context of the uh, mobile experience uh, that's available to each of the users. Where the information now needs to move out of Clinivit and go into other systems, talk us through a little bit about how you're doing that with some of the systems uh, that you've integrated with. So Clinivit, we are in, it, in ourselves a cloud-based uh, system where all data flows are within Australia, but we are internally, we are built on modern standards, which the API standards. But that's our system. We recognize for us to interact or interoperate with um, the different systems, uh, old legacy systems, but also newer systems. We have to have different linkage opportunities. So what we have is what we call like a middle layer. That's the layer that connects Clinivit to all different, a broad range of clinical systems. And what happens there is we connect to existing systems via HL7 or via API or via FHIR depending on what the configurations are that the legacy system accepts. So this is how we interact with different systems. And what do we do? We, for example, can search for patients. So that means the care team can actually search for a patient where the full record is already in the hospital record and the practice record. We also interact by archiving. So what happens is Clinivit is a temporary, it's an episodic conversation or meeting about a patient. Once that is finished, the information gets archived to the hospital system. So our system, again, puts it from the Clinivit through our middle layer. We recognize, is it an API or HL7 or Firepoint, with which we can then send the information directly to the patient record in the hospital system. We have some of our um, partners um, have gone to another layer of having more deep integrations or more deep interoperability. So what happens here is almost a, a truly two-way conversation. So when you are working your practice management system, you just hit a button, you see Clinivit popping up and it gives you the opportunity view the medication patient history reports of that patient do you think that's relevant for for example seeking a second opinion or sending a referral then you just tick 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 and you start the conversation right there with an automatic note being written in your clinical notes that there is an ongoing conversation and then when the conversation order meeting has finished the full record comes back now those are the ones it's not only about convenience but let's look at from a patient safety point of view Having the ability to not rely on manual entering of patient medication is good for the patient because we're avoiding errors. When you look at errors, we have um, internationally recognized that about 10% of hospital admissions, there is an avoidable error associated with it. That is massive. Medical incidents, 10% of patients who go in a hospital have something going wrong in their care. And I don't think that's acceptable. I think we should be able to aim to do better. And by removing duplication, by removing manual entering, by giving access to the same set of information, we allowing our doctors, nurses and allied health providers to avoid errors and to provide better patient care. I might just explain a little bit about um, HL7 for the listeners and FHIR and API, just for the ones who don't understand those acronyms too much. 
and it also helped sort of set the scene as to why digital health uh, is not the same as just using sort of, you know, any application that you can find in the cloud, you know, because I think you made a couple of really good points here around the, uh, the clinical safety and the type of um, information that's relevant to healthcare. But um, I, won't, I won't sort of break down too much, but HL7 stands for a, a standard around uh, clinical and administrative information exchange between uh, systems. Uh, it literally stands for Health Level 7. And that was built um, and uh, defined at a time where desktop and server systems existed quite a lot. And it's still a very important standard to uh, comply from a health tech standpoint. But the other one that's um, interesting that you mentioned was FHIR, which is the, um, the fast healthcare interoperability resource. And that's, again, a standard that helps um, digital health systems be able to actually have a match between the type of data fields that exist in either side. So if um, on the one side, Clinivid has a um, profile um, of a particular patient and that's defined as a, a name, surname, for example, then that corresponding field and the format around it exists in the other clinical system where the information is being exchanged. Um, so that's kind of that deeper integration that you're referring to, which um, is the big goal here in digital health that we could actually have quality clinical information shared between systems um, seamlessly to the extent that it's authorised, it's consented to and it's relevant and meaningful to the uh, clinical care that's being uh, provided by those different um, health providers. So I just wanted to expand on that a little bit and I'll probably put some links in the show notes for people who really want to drill down further into those standards. Um, But what we generally have is um, uh, most tech around the world uh, in the cloud is using the API or the application programming uh, interface. And uh, that allows for data to be shared between systems, but it doesn't try and um, have a quality control on what the data actually is and have a consensus as to what it actually means. And I think that's a really important distinction because it's very easy to go to a Google marketplace, for example, or a Microsoft marketplace or an Apple marketplace and just look up products and, and you know, they, they market really well and they sell what they uh, purport to do, you know, for, um, for the people downloading them. But they don't really have healthcare in mind and haven't been purpose-built for healthcare. So I just really wanted to make that point because I think, it's, um, I think it's important. There's just so much abundance out there of technology, but the actual products that have been engineered specifically for healthcare really need to be differentiated and, and, and most healthcare providers, um, as you move further away from hospitals, are not as in touch with that, how important it is to actually have the data mean something in a clinical context and for systems to be able to exchange that safely and securely, you know, between the systems. It was exciting and a big reason for why, um, from Core Plus's point of view, I wanted to do the integration with Clinivid uh, because it does set up that um, that secure end-to-end communication of um, healthcare information and any summary information that's needed to hand over you know, that information to any other points of care that aren't connected to Clinivid or aren't associated with that multidisciplinary team's communication. And so that's uh, an important distinction there on how digital health works as an ecosystem because, you know, Clinivid can work with the team and have those multidisciplinary teams working around a particular patient. And then if that healthcare information then needs to be sent back through the clinical information system onto another point of care, then it can do so through the secure messaging uh, type of channels that have been built um, behind products like um, Core Plus and the hospital systems and general practice systems and specialist systems that exist in and around Australia. So that means that um, we're really working together to make sure that we've got um, high quality, meaningful use healthcare information that follows the patient wherever they happen to be 
in the healthcare system at that point in time. That's an amazing outcome. And so, yeah, I just, uh, I wanted to, to break that open because our industry has so much jargon and um, I wanted to make sure that people had an opportunity to, if they haven't heard of these terms, to be able to connect with it and understand it in a more meaningful way. And so with that in mind, the idea then of um, having that collaboration happening and it's, um, it's done in a safe and a seamless way and it's transposable. So we're sort of talking about the evolution now into allied health. What are you seeing as the prospects for Clinibid out in allied health? Are you starting to see feedback coming through from uh, various healthcare providers who uh, want to engage with it and the, and the way that they want to engage with it? We actually see a lot of benefits for the allied health uh, sector. And the reasons for it is because the allied health sector is, in a sense, actually much more multifaceted than even the hospital or specialist sector. Because in the hospital these days, especially in Australia, you have certain standard systems, you have certain standard workflows, and with minor differences in between, they, they're quite standardised. Whilst in the allied health sector, it's much more fluid. Um, people are working on their own as their own contractor. There is not necessarily an obligation to tell them how to keep records, how should they safeguard the information. So you have some who work on paper-based, some who just have a, you know, a, a folder on their, on their laptop with, with patient information, and some using more sophisticated systems like Core Plus, which is the appropriate way to handle it. So it's, it's a much more... Um, fluid and varied part of our health system. Nonetheless, it's a big part of the health system. For example, chronic disease management heavily relies on allied health providers. If I'm a um, a diabetes patient, for example, I um, frequently will have to work or will benefit from working with a nutritionist, for example. If I have chronic back pain, then I will benefit from my long-term management to work with a physiotherapist or maybe a massage therapist. So those are the different um, members of what we refer to as allied health. The other big areas that are emerging um, that you have alerted to is one is the NDIS, um, the Disability Care Scheme, and the second is aged care. Aged care is currently being reviewed by the Royal Commission, and we all are expecting the Royal Commission to come up with some very strong recommendations for the sector, which um, I'm very convinced will include uh, recommendations to allow, enable, enhance the coordination of the different providers who look after aged care residents. So the allied health sector, specifically with NDIS, with chronic disease care, long-term chronic disease care and aged care, are important factors for what we do with Clinivit. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, and, and I think that sort of uh, segues into uh, one of the questions I like to um, finish with, um, Karcha, and that is, uh, you know, from your point of view, how do you see the next sort of three to five years evolving from the standpoint of um, the drive for reimagining healthcare? You know, how are we going to meet that vision that you have in your mind for uh, for Clinibid? I think there are um, three aspects from how I would like to see the industry moving, and there are early signs that it does. So the first is for all the different players to accept that interoperability is here to stay. And it is about making it work in reality. So that means even for all legacy systems to find ways to make them interoperable with modern and other systems to allow the sharing of information in a sector-wide sense. So interoperability is something that will only increase in the next three to five years. The second is to have a 
patient-centered view on, uh, on care provision, which means, in a sense, also to shifting from a way to look at um, activity-based to outcome-based. So what that means, it's also related to how doctors, nurses, and allied health providers get reimbursed for the um, services that they provide. At the moment, it's the maturity is based on I'm providing a service, I'm providing an activity. But I don't necessarily look at the whole outcome for the patient. So moving that activity-based um, reimbursement and billing to a more outcome-based will also enhance multidisciplinary teams to come together because they all have to contribute to the best outcome for the patient. So that's the second trend I like to see, and I'm seeing early signs of that we're moving into the direction. And the third is to really connect different sectors of tertiary care, which is equal for hospital care, with primary care and allied healthcare, to see that they are equal partners in providing efficiency in the healthcare sector. The healthcare sector is the biggest spend of our um, uh, GDP budget goes into healthcare. We have a population which grows older. We have a population which has more complex needs, but we have finite resources. So the only way to continue to provide high standard care is to utilize ways to become more efficient and to become more coordinated to avoid duplication of tests, duplication um, of, uh, of procedures. And for that, the digital tools will be extremely important to provide those efficiency drivers. But at the same time, technology is only an enabler. It is about providing the care to the patient, which still I see is primarily done by people. Um, and that brings me to the last thing. There's such a big buzzword about using artificial intelligence in healthcare and so on. My personal hope and view is that the artificial intelligence is first utilized to help with the logistics, with better appointment booking, having better coordinated operating theaters, having better coordinated patient stays so there are not no unnecessarily waiting times. So for that, artificial intelligence is now ready to be used. And then we can move on to the next level of maybe looking at clinical decision support tool. But that's a discussion that is quite heavily at the moment in, in the digital um, health area. It needs to be clinically safe and it needs to be proven to be clinical safe. Because if we are starting to rely on a decision being made by artificial intelligence, we need to have proven first that they are safe from a patient's point of view. Well, that's great, Karchan. Thank you for laying that out in that way. It's definitely a, a blueprint for the evolution uh, within healthcare. And um, one of the things that really resonates with that vision that you have is the convergence, or I guess that intersection between health tech and people and making sure that we keep that in mind as an industry as we go forward, that uh, you know, human beings receiving healthcare from uh, other human beings is really at the heart of healthcare. It underpins people's drive for doing it, their, their meaning and purpose. And um, there's a lot of evidence growing around how important it is to have that human-to-human -human contact. So the, the health tech shouldn't necessarily be seen as a silver bullet for delivering healthcare outcomes, but more an enabler or a facilitator or coordinator, as you put, so that it works hand-in-hand -hand with culture. You know, the health tech and the culture uh, become one. It's more of an ecosystem in that context. And so... And I definitely see the pathway towards that with interoperability right now is making sure that we do have all those siloed systems talking to each other and sharing information and allowing clients to interact with um, providers 
in a much more effective way. So thank you very much, um, Karcha. I really appreciate you taking the time today and providing us your insights. Congratulations on bringing Clinivid from a research state to a commercial validation and now as a um, standalone business. And well done with that. It's fantastic. I'm, I'd love to talk to you another time around the startup uh, life and uh, understand some of the trials and tribulations in doing that. It's certainly not easy and statistically very hard to do. So full kudos and credit to you for, for the achievement that you have and good luck with Clinivid. Uh, going forward. I look forward to having you on some other time. Thank you very much and thanks for having me today, Yanni. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.